Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Thank you, Brother Calhoun, for the opportunity to be here today. Amen. And uh, I mean that. We've been looking forward to being here. And and, uh, knowing that we were going to be here today, two weeks ago today, I was in Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, we went on down to Bethlehem. So I want to give you some first-hand understanding of maybe of what we have not understood before. But Luke, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. In verse 6 it says, And while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel assured, reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger, And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. I'm thankful that those shepherds obeyed what they heard that day. But let's face it, folks. If an angel just appeared to you in physical form and spoke to you, don't you think you would do something about what you just heard? Because verse 20 at the end of the chapter, it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks after seeing the Christ child, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And you're hearing today, I want to preach on the title of an old Christmas carol. Hark, the herald, angels sing. Would you lift your hands and close your eyes and would you ask for the presence of God to speak to you today. A fresh voice, 
a fresh touch, a fresh move of his presence and his power. Father, I know, God, that we all have read this story over and over and over and over again. But, God, I pray that it never becomes old to us. I pray that, Jesus, that you would touch today in only the way you can. And, Lord, we'll be very careful when it's all said and done to give you all glory and all honor and all praise. And we just ask, God, that you would help us all to respond to the herald what the angels sang. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hands, smile real big, and just say, hey, he's going to preach on Hark the Herald Angels Sing. <laughs> and you may be seated. Well, once again, our favorite time of the year is rapidly coming upon us. As the song states, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas. The worldwide celebration of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeshua Yamashiach. Even though the capitalist society that you and I live in continues promoting their goods and offering their sales and and certainly they will rejoice all the way to the bank during the season of seasons. And please don't misunderstand me this morning, but I am very much in favor of sharing gifts with family and friends. Amen. But I plead with each and every one of you here this morning not to overlook what this awesome season is really all about. It is not about lights and trees, gift wrapping and ribbons. It's not about tasty food and get-togethers, though, though those are meaningful and fun. It's not about mystical reindeer and fanciful sleighs carrying a jolly old fat man, though I might be able to apply for that position. No, it's simply and profoundly about the fulfillment of God's word. Amen. His word coming to pass and culminating in the birth of a child. Not just any child, but one born of a virgin. One whose name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It's about one which the prophets of old would write about. In Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government or the responsibility, the authority will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace his ever-expanding, peaceful government uh, will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice uh, from the throne of his ancestor David. Uh, the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. The prophet Micah pinpointed where he was to be born uh, and the place of his birth uh, was to be Bethlehem. 
And how fitting the one who would proclaim that he was the bread of life would be born in Bethlehem, which literally means the house of bread. And just a few days ago, I and several others from our district had the privilege of being in Bethlehem. Yes, I have gone down into the cave where it is believed that he came forth. A silver star is implanted into the floor that points in all four directions, amen, as to what his life would eventually emanate to the four corners of the world. It was there where it's believed that the hope of the world was born. And now some 2,000 plus years later, literally thousands upon thousands of pilgrims have climbed down those stone steps to behold that place for themselves. The spot that was simply a shepherd's cave where they protected their sheep. Much to your dismay, folks, uh, I'm sorry, the Western world has made uh, the manger to look like a, a, a garage behind the, uh, the hotel, the inn that uh, was without room. No, my friend, uh, uh, the Bethlehem place of, of Christ's birth uh, was in a shepherd's cave. They now have a church above it called the Church of the Nativity, the oldest Christian church on earth. Uh, but on that night, it was just a wearied new mother and a dedicated man who knew that what just had happened was ordained and orchestrated by Almighty God. The stillness of that moment would literally speak out louder than any voice that could ever be heard. And not far from the town is yet another field, which today is called the shepherd's field. And the scripture states that the shepherds on that night were just doing what they were called to do. Perhaps they were shepherd priests and they were watching over their flocks by night when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them Sure, they were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid because I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. God knows we have a lot of bad news in our world today. But there's some good news that the angel said that will, I will bring, that will bring great joy. Everybody say joy. Anybody need joy in this room tonight or today? Amen to all people. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And I feel led to speak to you this morning on this of the message of a simple title of that old Christmas song, Hark, the herald angels sing. Yes, it's an old carol, but it's fit for the season. But nonetheless, it is a reality that still sings out loud and clear to this very moment. This song will be sung all over the world in these next few weeks in many different and varied languages. But the message that was given that night long ago 
is still the message that needs to be heard and repeated again and again and again. For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The very first word of the Christmas carol is hark. Everybody say hark. Which simply defined in the dictionary means listen. Listen. If there is ever a day when we need to be listening carefully to what God is saying to each and every one of us, it is this very hour. Listen. His voice doesn't always roar like a thunder or even as a lion. Usually it's a still, small voice, like whisper in your spirit. Listen. God is trying to get the attention of mankind's heart on this very day. Just as he captured the attention of those shepherds in their hour. Hark, listen. To what, some may ask. We need to listen to the herald. Well, what is a herald? Again, it's simply defined in its noun form as an official messenger bringing news. A person or thing viewed as a sign that something is about to happen. And as a verb, it is be a sign that something is about to happen. Church, I don't know about you, but in my spirit, I am sensing that there is something that is going to happen in this world. That it's not going to be the first coming. It's going to be the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? The herald was an angel bringing the news that was proclaimed that night. And the message was proclaimed, the Messiah is born. The one that the children of Israel had waited for for generations upon generations. And here he was now visible, touchable, and full of power and wonder at the very precise moment. I don't know if we realize this, but that the precise moment of his birth, when the body of Christ took its first breath, Jesus fulfilled 300 references to 61 biblical prophecies at his first breath. Now, if by chance... You happen to be unconvinced that the baby that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was anything more than just an ordinary human baby? Let me challenge you this morning with a few of the statistical odds regarding that event. First of all, as I already stated, the Old Testament prophet Micah wrote in 700 B.C., before Christ, out of the hundreds and hundreds of cities in the scores and scores of nations in existence all over the world, even in those days, Micah designated Bethlehem of Judea as the birthplace of the Messiah. And at about the same time, Isaiah in chapter 7 and verse 14 said that Christ would be born of a virgin. Or a prophecy made in 1012 B.C., 1,012 years before Christ, it specified that the Messiah's hands and feet would eventually be pierced 
a clear reference to death by crucifixion. Some 800 years, think about this church, some 800 years before the Romans even instituted crucifixion as a form of capital punishment. Micah 3 and 1 pinned in about 425 B.C. It specified that the Messiah would be contemporary with the temple in Jerusalem. Church, it was a temple that was destroyed in 70 A.D. and was never, has never been built, rebuilt since. But 425, 425 years beforehand, the prophet Malachi prophesied it would be. Church, the probability, Seth, you might like this, the probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight such prophecies would be only one in 10 to the 17th power. That is one in 100 Zero 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 zero. Wow. And that statistic alone put in terms that you and I can understand. If every one of us in here had one of these, it's a silver dollar. That statistic of 100 to the 17th power, for Jesus to fulfill all of those would be taking silver dollars, if we had that many, and laid them side by side until the entire boundary of the state of Texas was filled with these. Two feet deep. I'm glad, Brother Calhoun, I'm serving a God whose word I can trust, that he is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. He is the beginning and the ending. I'm telling you, church, hark, the herald, the angels sing. The angel's message is worth listening to, folks, for unto you, turn to your neighbor and say that, unto you. Our God is not in the wholesale business, my friend. He is a personal savior that carries about each and every every individual in this house. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter with God. Amen. I saw Bedouins, amen, this last couple of weeks that are still living in tents and living in caves. But praise God, I'm telling you that my God loves them just as much as he loves me, just as much as he loves you. God is no respecter of people for unto you. He is interested in you. And what you just felt in your spirit just now is exactly what these angels were trying to convey. God is not willing, not willing that any should perish but that all 
should come to repentance. If you've repented of your sins, God allowed you that grace. You are a very fortunate person, my friend. If you've been water baptized and then to the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, you are a very, very privileged person, my friend, that you've even had the privilege of hearing the message. And if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, my, we should all stand to our feet and shout from our voices, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the message. Hallelujah. This is the awesomeness of the message. Our Savior is for everybody. The angels told those shepherds not only that he was born, but they also told those shepherds exactly how to find him. They told them to go back to Bethlehem, the house of bread and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That word actually is swaddling cloths or strips of cloth wrapped around his body. Now, I, I just found this out. I, I apologize. I had to take a trip to the Middle East to find out what was really going on. Swaddling clothes is a mystery to you and I. But this would not be strange sight for those shepherds. Because the only difference to these shepherds would be that they would find such strips of cloth. It would be different than they were finding it on a child. Because they knew that the young lambs that were swaddled were the lambs that were being taken to the temple to be offered as sacrifices. They were to be without spot and without blemish. It was lambs that were swaddled because when a lamb is born, it's kind of frisky and it might hurt itself. So they made sure they wrapped those sacrificial lambs to make sure that they were without spot, without blemish because they would be offered as a sacrifice. Oh, my friend, to think that the lamb of God that would be slain from the foundation of the world, amen, would be found, amen, in a, in a, a lamb's manger, but swaddled himself as the lamb of God. Oh, I tell you, it's no wonder, church, that Peter said with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Can I tell you this December morning that the shepherds of our day, we call them pastors, they can still lead you to where you can find the Savior. You just have to go back to the house of bread. That bread is the bread which is the word of God. 
And on the very first day of the Christian church, when people heard that first message of Peter, they asked him, men and brethren, what must we do? They were asking very sincerely what they needed to do to be saved. And if that is your question by chance this morning, I have the exact same answer as the apostle Peter gave. Repent. Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized. I mean, say baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive. I tell you, are you happy that you have received? Amen. The very gift of Christ himself living in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as the multitude of angels proclaimed their message and gave forth their good news, they sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. This is God's will, church, that you and I be at peace peace with our own heart and our soul, peace with our fellow man, and most importantly, be at peace with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, because that day he was born the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. S.B. Lockerbridge stated in a message one times, One time he said, the Bible says he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. That's our king, church. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's my king. How about yours? He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature, and he's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism, and he's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's our king. He's the miracle of the age and he's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. 
I ask you, do you know him today? Do you know him today? I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's indestructible. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm telling, I'm trying to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man like myself trying to explain him. You can't get him out of your mind, and you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't, out, you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree, and Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. He's my king, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign, my friend. That's my king. Praise the Lord. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Stand with me today. Musicians, if you come, you see, church, God's will is good. I don't think you heard me. God's will is good. His message is good. It's called the gospel, the good news. Folks, Have you ever given a thought what would have happened if the shepherds had decided not to go back to Bethlehem? They would have missed the greatest opportunity ever given to mankind. For you see, the angel's message was short and to the point. Listen. Listen. He said, go to Bethlehem and find a swaddled clothed baby lying in a manger and that this good news is for all of mankind for God's will is for all to be saved how about it right now church with every eye closed and every head bowed Is it just again Christmas time? Or could we once again come forward to a cross, to an altar, and say, God, I want to rededicate my life. Because God, I want to listen, I want to hark what the angel's message was to those shepherds. And I want to go about sharing that good news, God, with others. Hallelujah. If that's you today, 
not asking anybody to do anything uncomfortable that you're not used to doing, but if you would like to rededicate, reconsecrate, rethink this Christmas story through, uh, amen, would you step out of that pew today? Uh, amen, would you just come on up here and lift up your hands uh, and lift up your voices uh, and say, God, Lord, uh, I want to obey the message. I want to obey the message. Hallelujah. I want peace in my life. I want peace in my being. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I want your good will to work through my life, God. For God's will is that we be saved. And God's will is that we have peace. And God's will is that we have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. All because we're willing to listen. We're willing to obey. We're willing indeed to lift up our hands and surrender and say, God, less of me, God, and more of you in me, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, not my will, but thy will, God, be done in me, Lord, that the peace of God that speaketh beyond all of our understanding, hallelujah.